Welcome to episode number 12, Get Out and Vote, with 30-year school teacher and city commissioner hopeful Luigi Borda. Welcome to the We Love Philly podcast. My name is Carlos Aponte, a Philadelphia school teacher whose mission is to promote volunteerism throughout the city of Philadelphia and help put the brotherly love back into the city of brotherly love. Each week, my students and I bring you a person or organization that is making Philly a better place. Thanks for spending some time with us, and let's dive in. Thomas Jefferson once said, we do not have government by the majority, we have government by the majority who participate. And John F. Kennedy once said, the ignorance of one voter in a democracy impairs the security of all. If you couldn't tell in this episode of the We Love Philly podcast, we are going to dive deep about Philadelphia and voting. We are joined today by Luigi Borda, a mentor of mine and actually my cooperating teacher from almost seven years ago. He actually taught me how to become a teacher and he introduced me to volunteering. Also in this episode, we talk about how the current political system in Philadelphia does not encourage voting. We talk about the impact teachers can have in our local government if they start to get elected and how young people don't have to worry that at the age of 18 that they have to have it all figured out and know what they want to do in life. If you're interested in finding out about Luigi Border, you can visit his website, voteborda.com, V-O-T-E-B-O-R-D-A.com. If you want to see what we're up to here at We Love, you can check out our Instagram at We Love Philly and on Facebook at WeLove.Philadelphia. If you would like for us to volunteer for your organization, you can send us an email at WeLoveLPAcademy at gmail.com. I think you are going to be inspired and hopefully this gets you out there to vote the upcoming local elections, the most important elections, the upcoming local elections are May 21st, 2019. So make sure you put that on your calendar. And now we hope you enjoy our episode with Luigi Borda. Welcome, everybody, to the We Love Philly podcast. I am here today with Luigi Borda. He is a seventh grade teacher at Masterman, and he is also a city commissioner hopeful that is running in the upcoming primary on May 21st, 2019. How are you, Luigi? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me, Carlos. I would actually like to thank you because when you offered to allow me to go around the, the city and to collect signatures for you to see to put you on the ballot. I actually brought some of my students with me and it was the first time that they ever were involved with the democratic process and they didn't know this is what you had to do to get on any sort of ballot. And it was really cool for them to to see that and to go up to strangers and ask them if they will support you and they learned a little bit about you. And it was really cool to see them actively taking an active role in the whole process. So thank you. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, you, you literally made my day right now, but that's awesome to hear. That's what, that's what, that's what my whole campaign is basically about. Really? So yeah. what is, I, I'm a little bit ashamed to say I teach social studies in Philadelphia and I didn't know myself what a city commissioner was until I saw you were running for it. So what is a city commissioner? Well, I'm glad you asked that. A lot of people don't know about the commissioner's office. The commissioner's office is tasked with two things. One, getting out the vote, getting people to vote 
in elections and two, managing the election process. We're the only big city in America that has a elected commissioner's office. There's three commissioners. It's two uh, from the majority party and one from the minority party. Right now, that's a Republican and two Democrats. Okay. Okay. So when you said it's your job to get people to vote, what are you doing? Are you just going door to door or what's your plan? Well, that's great. Uh, Commissioner's office, when I say they're tasked for getting out the vote, and what if I told you in the last presidential election, two million people voted for president in Pennsylvania, and yet the margin of victory was only 44,000. What if I then told you that 364,000 Philadelphians didn't vote? Wow. Yeah, we, we have a systemic problem in Philadelphia with voting. We don't vote at a high percentage. And the problems that creates is we get elected officials that are elected into office by a small percentage of the population that are registered to vote. And those voters now decide who uh, represents us. And it's not a, an accurate representation of the city of Philadelphia. And what that does is that causes us problems. Uh, one, because our representatives don't rep- truly represent us. But two, when we go to Harrisburg, when we need things from Harrisburg, we don't get what we deserve because at the end of the day, they know we don't vote. All right. So why why city commissioner? I'm glad you asked that. Um, I'm a 30-year Philadelphia school teacher. Um, I came to this country as a little boy. I'm an immigrant. I went to college. I, I went to Central High School. I met my wife. Going to Girls High on the Broad Street subway. Wow, high school sweethearts. Yep. Oh my God. And we have two daughters now in college. So became a teacher. I was I was active in the sense that I voted twice a year. Didn't do much more than that. Uh, seven years ago, our school budgets were cut in education by a third by the Republican administration in Harrisburg, and I felt like there's something I wanted to do. Uh, I do three things. I'm a teacher, I'm a runner, and I'm a parent. And I decided I was going to run 100 miles to Harrisburg to let the governor know that they shouldn't cut our budgets to our schools. And I learned one important, valuable lesson during those 100 miles and when I arrived. During my lifetime, I don't think Harrisburg is going to care about our schools, care about our children, or care about the city of Philadelphia in respect to getting fair funding for our schools and our city. So what do you do? And as a teacher, I feel teachers get things done. They're busy, but they usually get things done. Four years ago, I ran for committee person. Didn't even much know what the job was. I was successful in my community, and I found out that there's 66 wards in Philadelphia, and they're all little segments of the city, and they're tasked with helping to get out the vote, just like the commissioner's office. So what if I told you after that election for president, where only 44,000 voters made up the difference and 365,000 Philadelphians didn't vote? Two years after the presidential election, in this spring primary, only 18% of Philadelphians showed up to vote. Wow. So... We, uh, earlier I said, we have a systemic problem. Our system in Philadelphia does not encourage voting. 
Uh, I do a current event lesson on Friday with my students, and it's who, what, where, when, how, and what do you think? Well, if I apply that to voting in Philadelphia, students and a lot of adults don't know who's running, why they're running, how they're running, where you vote, and what do they think? They don't think it affects them. And I decided the best way, the one institution in Philadelphia that is uniquely positioned to help this problem is schools. And the one group of people that could help this problem are teachers. Two years ago, I started recruiting teachers and educators citywide to run for committee person in their neighborhood, like I did four years ago. Okay. And I'm happy to announce that after looking at all the committee people through the city, I found out 172 of them are now self-identified educators. Oh, that's awesome. Teachers, retired teachers, daycare operators, any we picked any occupation where someone's working with children because we thought that we share values and we share thoughts on how things can get done in Philadelphia. I'm running for commissioner. I know that was a long way of saying this, oh, no but I'm I'm running for commissioner because while that position is not usually highly advertised and a lot of people don't know about it. I think it's an office that can really, really do great things for Philadelphia. And I'll tell you how. We started a program called Philly Civics 101, and it's 10 simple lessons on how to be a good Philly voter from understanding the committee person role, the ward system, your elected officials. But we took it one step further. Remember my current events? Who? Well, we're asking, we went to city council and we got council people to agree to co-teach the 10 lessons with social studies teachers in their comprehensive high school in their district. Now those students who don't know who they're voting for get to meet those officials while they're in high school. That's going to get them at least a little motivated yeah. to figure out what's going on. Yeah. There's more of a real world connection there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... The Philly Civics 101, I also propose doing it at, in uh, 11th grade or even 10th grade so that by the time students are 18 and ready to vote, they understand this process. That a lot of people, we, we have great you know civics courses, we have history courses, but we don't teach the voting process in Philadelphia, which is crucial. Yeah. What would you say to the people who say the reason why people aren't voting is because of the lack of the education system is it do you think it's harrisburg and the lack of funding or do you think it's the lack of good teachers or do you think teachers who've been in the position too long what would you say is is the reason why the city that came up with our system of government has one of the lowest voting turnout rates why is that i think the reason why people aren't voting specifically in philadelphia is people don't understand the process or, or they don't feel connected to the process. Yeah. I think we could solve both of those by having that program in every high school. Yeah. So now every kid who graduates from high school at least understands the Philadelphia process. In fact, I'd give them a certificate when they finish the 10 classes. I'm a good Philly voter or I understand Philly politics. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, while people watch the news, and they follow the presidency and uh, all the big, uh, the, the higher level government officials. Uh, a, a man named Tip O'Neill, who was former Speaker of the House, said the best saying, and it's all politics are local. Yeah. In fact, he says all politics is local. 
And it's true. It is true. Okay, that's the level. So when you were knocking on the doors with those students, that's the level. That's where politics starts. That's where you can really make a difference. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little, uh, if, if you could see this visual, okay, imagine four people standing up, okay? Right now in Philadelphia, if one of those people votes, it's considered a good election. 25% in Philadelphia were kicking butt. Yeah, that's right? terrible. When I'm commissioner, when I'm commissioner, with your help and everybody in Philadelphia's help, we're going to get two people out of four. Now, you might think, wow, that's not good either, right? Well, if we get two out of four people to vote in primary elections in Philadelphia, we will have the number one voter turnout percentage in the entire state of Pennsylvania. In the entire state of Pennsylvania, that's 67 counties. That's amazing. Yeah. How it's about also a 100% this? increase as well. So exactly. It's a, yeah, a win. Well, how about this? What if I told you we'd have the highest rate for a primary in the entire United States of America for major cities? Now, I tell you, Carlos, if we do that, and if you could help me do that, and if all the teachers around the city could help me do that, do you think Harrisburg will care then? Yeah. Of course they would. You know why? Because every elected official who goes to Harrisburg to represent Pennsylvania would have to come through Philadelphia. We would decide. We have one million registered voters in Philadelphia. So when there's a general election in Pennsylvania, I would bet that the margin of victory is never a million votes. Yeah. In fact, I would bet that if someone wants to do this, the, the research, which I haven't, that in every statewide election in Pennsylvania, the margin of victory is never more voters than we can produce in Philadelphia, which means we can decide every election if we come out to vote. But we also decide every election when we don't come out to vote. Exactly. So in the last presidential election, Donald Trump won Pennsylvania because Philadelphians didn't vote. So while the commissioner's office should be a nonpartisan office, because I feel they should just get people to vote, we'll let the politicians decide who you vote for and let them do their job. I want every election in Philadelphia to be representative of all of Philadelphia. And the only way that's going to happen is if we have high voter turnout in every election, not in one or two or in a presidential election, we need to make it a habit in voting where we all vote twice a year. In Ecuador, believe it or not, they give you a fine if you don't vote. Yeah. And and they have almost, well, I don't know, I would imagine they have close to 100% voter turnout. Do they, and, do they get the day off to vote? That's a great point. <laughs> I When I'm commissioner, I would lobby to advocate for a national holiday for voting, okay? Because there's some people who have to decide on losing a few hours work and pay or go to vote. Our polls are open pretty long. They're open from 7 to 8 p.m. But some people work almost all of yeah. those hours. Yeah. So now when you're barely making ends meet and you don't feel connected to the process and you don't know who's running for office and you don't know what they do for you, are you really going to take off a couple hours of work and not get paid exactly. to go vote? Exactly. So now those people who need to be represented, aren't voting because they can't. And now there goes that systemic problem again. 
I'll tell you something else. While I'm on the campaign trail, I hear all the candidates saying that they're using resources to reach out to voters who vote often. So they're targeting the voters who always vote. They're targeting that 18%. Well, the other 82% that we need to reach, they don't get those flyers in their doors. They don't get the politicians going to visit them because they don't vote. So there we go again. So of course they feel disenfranchised. Of course they feel disconnected. They are not part of the process. And then there goes the cycle. It's it's funny that you say that. I had this conversation uh, last week with my students. They were asking me, why am I going to vote? I don't see anything from it. I don't get anything from it. I'm like, well, that's because you don't vote. Look at what is given to people. Majority, not hating on the elderly, but majority of the the social resources go to the elderly. Medical attention, uh, free bus passes. This is just things they see. We like made a little diagram on the board and i said well what when's the last time or someone in your family voted and they they really can't tell me and i'm like well what do you think a politician's going to do are they going to go after the people who vote or are they going to go after the demographic of the people who don't vote and like you're saying that the system is set up to i don't know if you would agree that it's set up to suppress voting um or if it's just set up to cater to the people who historically have voted and forget about the people who don't and not try to get new ones on board? That's a great question. I I don't know the answer. Uh, I I suspect in Philadelphia, again, it's just been a systemic problem. The system itself lends itself to keep doing the same way. And those in power, in order to keep their power, feel like they have to just go to their go-to voters. Yeah. You know, uh, it's changing. I mean, you can see uh, the ward system's changing. There's a lot more people are involved, but it's still a a system where, like I said, in the last primary election, only 18% of people voted. Now, it it, it has been as low as 8%, but, you know, the the Office of the Commissioners has a $10 million budget. And while I, like I use the word fresh with my students, I don't want to sound fresh here, (laughs) but... If we had no commissioner's office, do you think we get one out of 10 people to vote by accident? We probably would. So we're at 18% with a $10 million budget, and we're tasked with getting out the vote and managing elections. So there's a lot of things we can do. We can make it easier to vote. We can maybe make it on more than one day. We could maybe make it on a holiday or make it a holiday. We could also do what I've had is uh, if we could have visuals here, you'd see my truck. I have a 24-foot box truck that is a mobile voting unit, mobile education. It has word maps in there. It has registration cards in there. It has absentee ballots in there. It has all the dates for when you need to vote, when you need to register. Great idea. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And you have seen the picture. Yeah, I have seen it. Yeah, I'll, I'll link it to this episode. I have pictures of it. Well, well, my goal would be to have five of those all across the city. And we would take the office out of City Hall and bring it to those communities that have lower voter turnout to, and explain. Because when you're working full time, most Philadelphians don't have the time or the inclination to go to City Hall to find out this information. Let's have these mobile units. Let's have these mobile units show up at sporting events, yeah. at picnics. The, the Uber of voting. There you go. <laughs> at, at fairs, yeah. at barbecues, right? Wherever it is. So 
when we're in the commissioner's office, we're going to take the commissioner's office out of city hall and bring it into these communities that where we can increase voter turnout and directly influence their lives. And like I said, then Harrisburg will notice. Oh, absolutely. Is anyone doing that around the country? I don't know. <laughs> I hope, that, well, I hope so, but I hope I was the first one. To go. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So I want to make a, a, a shift. Uh, a lot of listeners might not know this, but you're actually a mentor of mine. I would not be a teacher if it wasn't for you. Literally, you were my cooperating teacher. So I don't know if everyone knows, but when you go through college, your last six months of college, you actually have to student teach. You have to teach for free, usually for about six months at a school. And I was lucky enough to teach at Masterman and uh, Mr. Border here was actually my cooperating teacher. He was my mentor and he showed me the ropes. So I literally wouldn't be teaching if it wasn't for Mr. Border right here. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. You're a great, you're a great young man. And, and it's so cool to see you teaching. And th- when I heard you were doing this stuff, I thought it was really, really, really cool. Thank you. So I actually have a question. I want to shift more towards education since you have been just a 30 year educator in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has the education landscape changed in Philadelphia? I deal with a, a student population who have kind of been left behind by the the education system has that been like a running thing in philadelphia history or have you seen it getting better or is it staying the same uh, i'm also part of read by fourth and we try to help people uh raise the literacy rate to going into the 2016 2017 school year almost two-thirds of students weren't reading by grade level fourth grade in philadelphia is this something that you have noticed throughout your tenure or is this like a new problem the literacy or because i can see that tying into the low voter turnout if people don't know how to read that's an excellent question it's funny you said literacy rate i'm always amazed that that doesn't become a bigger issue i agree we have the lowest literacy rate in the state of pennsylvania it's unbelievable and consistently we do and uh obviously being able to read uh, is a big deal yeah and i think uh, the challenges in public education for the last 25 years have remained consistent and we've tried a lot of things and it's really hard and none of them have been ultimately really successful. And because of that, uh, we shift into a new, what's, what's the newest idea? Couple that with the state literally taking uh, the funds away from us seven or eight years ago, whenever yeah. that was, and then asking us to perform. We go through periods when testing is the rage. Hey, we're testing everything. Then we go through periods when maybe testing is not good. And it just goes, it's almost like a, 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 a hills and valleys. And it's just new administration thinking of new ideas and educating uh, people, uh, educating children in urban environments with lots of people is a challenge and we've we haven't figured it out and every and it seems like we just try new things we go from charter schools to vouchers to testing and not testing and what's remained constant is that our schools usually don't get the resources that they really need and we're still asked to do these amazing things yeah yeah you know and uh, and it's sad it's really sad because uh, a lot of times they, they, we're told that, you know, there's not money for these things, but we seem to find money for everything else. 
So <clears throat> there is money. It just isn't going to our schools and to our children. Yeah. I don't know if that's a, an answer to no, your question. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So <clears throat> what have you seen over your time that does work? If you If we have maybe... <clears throat> a mom of a teenager who's struggling, listening right now with her son with reading, what have you seen over your years? Like maybe three things consistently that this will help your son maybe gain or daughter gain more confidence or. Yeah. Well, number one is what, you're, what you just said is, is being involved. Yeah. That's always great. Being involved, providing an area, a place to do, you know, the schoolwork, et cetera. I definitely can go with the number one would be being involved. Yeah. taking an active role in your child's education. And it's hard sometimes yeah. because again, some we're juggling one, two, three jobs yeah. in order to do it and setting and setting the example. Yeah. You know, we're always learning. We should be always be reading. You know? Yeah. No, I agree with you. I see it a lot in my school. And yeah, I agree. That that mentorship type model, kind of like what we do at Students Run, when you're spending the time with the students, even when they know you're not getting paid for it or after school, or you're taking the time out of your day to spend with them, they're more applicable to start reading. Or even if you um, are really patient, patience, I feel like is something that I'm learning as a teacher. I bet you know, yeah. <laughs> at 30 years. But yeah, the patience of it, the and then kind of like what you're doing with the band for the voting, making it a real world connection. Um, Philadelphia, luckily, is a source of amazing history. There's amazing sites and getting these students outside, definitely into the city and interacting with the city hands on. They'll start reading things without ever noticing that they're actually reading things. Um, thank you. I like to I like to be there for them. No, that is that's number one. So since you are all around the city now, when you go around Philly, and since you've been here, you said for 30 years, mm -hmm. what do you see in 2019 when you go around Philly? What does it make you think and what does it make you wonder? I love our city and I think it's, it's a great place. I worry that for one, and I know a lot of people say that, is the trash all of a sudden. The trash is worse than it's ever been. Ever. Ever. Yeah. And I don't know how we've got to there. And I don't know how we can uh, move away from that. I also worry at the, the uh, it's funny, you said uh, a lot of your students don't have the support at home, adults in their lives. I also am troubled by the opposite end. Uh, uh, our students that have a lot of support and what I consider maybe a little bit too much support, where it's funny, they have, we had years ago, parents were called helicopter parents. Mm -hmm. They would be all over, like on top of the kids. There's a new phrase and you may have not heard of it, but it's snow plow. No, never parents. heard of it. And you know what that means? <laughs> sounds, the parents are literally standing in front of their children with the snow plow, clearing the way for them so that they have no obstacles in okay. life. And they have the kid behind them and say, get behind me, kid. I got you. I'm going to clear away every possible hurdle in life so that you can just glide through and it's scary yeah so we have one end where students don't have the support they need and then we have the other end where students have so much support from their parents that their poor parents are so dying for these kids to make it that they're going to clear anything out so i think we need to get much closer to the center where we have support but not too much support and we're becoming a city of two extremes. We have those that have 
for lack of a better term, too much and too much support and overwhelming where the kid doesn't have to do anything for themselves. And then we have kids who unfortunately have to do everything for yeah. themselves. We almost have two different Philadelphians. Yeah, it's kind of like that in the United States, right? That microcosm, yeah. they talk about the 1% and then... Yeah, well, well, when we think of in the past 10 years, the amazing growth in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. right? And yet, and yet, how are we the poorest city in America? How could that be? I'd like to, and again, someone else would have to do the research, but I'd like to know if 10, 20 years ago, we were the poorest city in America. I don't think we were. Yeah, I'm not sure. So we weren't the poorest city when times were just okay. Now Philadelphia is bursting at the seams with all development and it's kicking butt. Yeah. And yet we're the poorest big city in America. So it, it, we just seem to have two different cities in Philadelphia. And I would like, if possible, we get a much more in the middle there. Yeah. Well, once you run for mayor, I think you might have more of a say. Well, yep. Well, thank you. That's that's a great idea. If we if we if how about this? If we win the commissioner's office and get voting over fifty percent, if we win the commissioner's office, it's going to be a in a large part due to the teachers and yeah. our teacher team. On election day, we want to have a hundred teachers out there. If we do it four years from now, I guarantee you, we will find a teacher not myself, to support and run for mayor of Philadelphia because then our kids and our schools will truly come first because I've talked to a lot of politicians and every one of them says, I'm for schools. Not sure how that's possible Uh, when our schools get crapped on all the time. I agree. But if we had a mayor that was a school teacher. Yeah. I'll bet you our kids would get what they needed. Yeah. So let's get the commissioner's office May 21st. And then four years from now, let's run a teacher yeah. for mayor. Yeah, I agree. And education is something that it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status. That's that's something that once you have that independent skill, then you can help really get yourself out of it and build that bridge towards self-sufficiency. I really believe that. Yeah. So how did you know that education was your passion? Like, do you remember the specific story that made you go, okay, I'm meant to be in the education? Well, you field? know what? I talked to a lot of teachers and everybody has a, it, some people were born to be teachers. Some people wanted to be teachers their whole life. So you get a lot of different stories. Yeah. I stumbled into teaching by, uh, I was, I ran a small business in the summertime with my mother and my mother uh, didn't speak English at the time. And because I did, I had to help her all summer, uh, through all through f- four years of college. And by sophomore year, I became an orientation leader to try to make extra money. So I uh, oriented the students as they came in as freshmen. It was the first time I worked okay. as a sort of educator. Yeah. And I kind of liked it. I was like, hey, I might want to do something like this. I didn't have a real major in mind. I always thought I'd be a business major because I've always been interested in running businesses. And uh, I basically realized that there's no way my mother can run this business in the summer and I'm going to need a job that has summers off. And I thought that'll be a teacher. So I became, I did, I did some, uh, like I said, I was an orientation leader and then I had a couple jobs after college and the local um, Catholic school needed teachers, three teachers at once, three sixth grade teachers. 
And my girlfriend, who's my wife, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, said, you should go apply for that job. And I was like, I know, but I, I don't have a lot of experience. And, and I did. And, and it was the, I taught at Our Lady of Mount Carmel in South Philadelphia for four years. And it was the best. It was a great experience. And I've been in the classroom ever since. Yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. So we always end each episode since this is a podcast for high school students that is edited and uses a teaching tool for high school students. If you could go back in time and tell the teenage version of yourself three things, what would you tell teenage Luigi? Okay. Well, I like the idea you always ask for three things. I also realize I keep answering one and talking the whole time and it's it. No worries. You kind of <laughs> answer them as you're talking. Yeah. So I, I will definitely, the first thing I would tell teenage Luigi, I went to Central High School. At the time, it was an all boys school. And there were so many opportunities, sports and music and literature and poetry club and everything you can imagine. And I rushed out of school to go back home to hang out with my friends. And I never embraced my high school experience. And I didn't get involved in any of the things that today I look back, my daughters went to high school, obviously, and before college. And and I and they joined all these things and they have friends for life. Looking back as a student at Central High School, I would have definitely got involved in more things. I did not get involved for fear of not knowing what it would be like. And I would never put myself out there. Today, it's funny, but I think about it, I tell people this, they're like, really, you? <laughs> because there's not one thing I wouldn't try now in life. Yeah. But I look back and and, and just see all the, the mist. I look through my yearbook and I see all those club pictures and I don't see my face in any of them. And I'm like, yeah. You know, so I, I have reached out to some high school. In fact, through this campaign, some have reached out to me and it's been great, you know, but I, I just think of all the things. I went to college at Westchester University and the same thing, did not join one club, just, you know, studied, got my grades and went home, studied. Yeah. Now, in fairness, and for me, I, I usually was helping my parents after school. And I used to use that as an excuse and just say, you know, I can't do it. I got to go home and help my parents. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm sure they would have been okay with me joining a club. And I just didn't. I, yeah. So I, that's what I regret. The other thing would be not to worry, not to worry about what your path is at, at that age. Uh, a lot of our students seem so, again, I think part of it is there are some parents that pressure their kids in having those decisions in high school. And now it seems like some of our culture is these kids have to have it all figured out. Yeah. And I would, I would say to kids, like, just there's one thing you should strive to always do, and that's work hard. If you work hard, you'll be fine. Yeah. And that's it. Like, just try a bunch of things and find your way and you should search for that passion in life but don't feel like you have to figure it out it's so sad when i see the kids who think they have to have it figured out by 18 yeah i like to tell them you got till 30 yeah by 30 if you haven't figured it out then i'm going to start worrying yeah. <laughs> but until then 30 to 40 year olds take over the world yeah until then all we do is try to figure things yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I tell my students that as well. Yeah, like, so. you're 30, you're going to be old. I was like, 30s are your 20s with money. Like, there you go, right? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out everything that I needed to figure out, and now I'm ready to take off and do what I need to do. Exactly. Yeah, that, so that's what I would do. They don't, they don't need to have figured it out. Find your passion, but take, 
It, just work hard. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And I, I would say most people try to figure out where they stand. I like to say there's there's 10% of people who, for whatever reason, can't get things done, whether it's whatever it is. There's also 10% of people who are off the charts and can get everything done, right? The rest of us are all in the middle, right? And the people that actually take over the world are all those people in the middle. There's a book called Outliers. I'm sorry. There's a book called Outliers. And if if I had to tell a, a high school student one book to read before leaving high school, that would be it. Yeah. Because you'll figure yourself out when you've finished reading it. Awesome. We're all in the middle there. And yeah. we're the ones that run the world. And you have the potential to run the world as long as you work hard. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Yeah. This was great. Mm-hmm.